So I'm going to ask some questions, but there's some concepts that I want us to redefine. Because when we talk about spiritual life, we often have very wishy-washy definitions of things. And we talk about it like it's this really kind of fluffy um, concept without getting into what it, what it really is, what the essence of it, of it is. Okay? So we have to go back to the very, very foundations. And almost all of the sermons that I give end up coming back to this somehow. So this is going to get very repetitive. So I'm sorry, but it's important because whenever we want to do something in life, if we don't know if we don't know the goal, then we're just driving randomly, right? We have to know where am I going? What is the point of this? Where did it come from? Otherwise, I won't arrive anywhere because I'm just doing things. So if I talk about prayer, why? Who cares? Like, why should I pray? If I talk about patience, what's the point of being patient, right? If I don't have an overall understanding of why I need to be patient, or why I need to be pure, or why I should fast, etc., then they're all pointless, right? And that's why we stop doing them, because we say, well, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, right? Because we didn't understand it. So we have to go back to the basics. So in the beginning was what? Or in the beginning was who? God, right? The God is who? The Trinity, right? Why did the Trinity make man? Actually, we don't even jump there. What did the Trinity do? <laughs> I gave you a hint. They made the creation. I'm glad you said the creation and not man right away. What did the, what did the Trinity make before the Trinity made man? Everything, right? Everything except man got made. Okay, so, the, so God made, okay, he made the earth, or everything, we'll just use E for everything. Okay? And then he made what? Man. Right? So then he made man. Why did he make the earth? For man. Okay. Anyone have any opposing opinions? Good. So I'm going to make you say that again when we talk about man. Okay? Because you're right. Tons is right, okay? <laughs> the earth was actually made for man. This is very, very important, okay? Because sometimes we act like we were created for the earth, and it's the opposite, right? The earth was created for man. It wasn't man created for the earth. And we make our existence have meaning through the earth, which is the complete opposite of the intention of creation. And if anyone wants references for these, I can send them, because this is all biblical, right? That God made the earth for man, and before the foundations of the earth, he designed it. So then the question is, why did God make man? And be, and be honest, because I've heard so many answers in church, many of which are, are wrong, but we still teach them. I learned them in Sunday school. <laughs> Why did God make man? We'll save yours. <laughs> Why did God make man? <laughs> we wish to know. Okay. <laughs> God. To share with glory, and to so he wants him, uh, 
Okay. So I'm going to use part of your answer and all of Mariam's. Okay. What Mariam said quietly was that love has to be directed at something. Okay. So the answer is love, but what the answer is not, and it's very important so we don't teach our kids the wrong things. The answer is not because he needed people to serve him. The answer is not because he needed people to praise him. The answer is not because the angels weren't doing their job well and because they failed, he needed to make a new thing to replace them. All of those are things that have been said and taught even from the earliest of times. And the reason why those are none of those are the answer, okay, is because it means that that means God is somehow deficient. Okay, if God needs praise, then he's deficient. He needs this thing to constantly tell him how good he is. Okay, whereas even on a human level, anyone who's like that, we don't associate with them. Like, I can't handle them, right? All they need is for me to constantly tell them how good they are. I, I can't handle that, right? If he needed us to serve him, then he was incomplete, right? It means that we, we make him God because we bow down and grovel. And even if you look at the first chapters of Genesis, there's not a single order to humans to bow down, right? He doesn't say, okay, I've made you and I made you all this stuff. Now all I want from you is to bow down. Right? That didn't even get mentioned once. Okay? So the answer is not to serve him. The answer is love. Right? And this is because love is, we're going to define as one thing, self-denial. Love is always an outwardly focused thing like Mariam said. Right? I can't love at all, okay, if I'm not denying myself. If there's not something to love. It's got to be directed at someone. Right? That's why a lot of the times I use the same joke over and over, but I really mean it. What's the point of having kids? Right? Like if you want to look at it on an objective level today, it's expensive. Right? It makes husbands and wives lose their intimacy, their vacations, right? and, their, and their dreams. If you're going to calculate it on a very, very secular way, there's no point. Right? And then your kids will turn against you. You know that they're going to turn against you. You might give them advice. They won't accept it from you, but they'll accept the same words from their best friend. Right, who has no life experience and saying, no, no, when he said it, it made sense. Right, but like we, we do this. So there's not on an emotional level, psychological level, financial level, like there's not much good going on to really make it that thrilling. Right, and then some people say, oh, to carry my name, no one cares about your name anymore. Right, and so like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna die. So the issue isn't all of these things, but we like, by nature, we don't, might not understand why, but by nature we love. Right, and we're happy to do these things. The mom, even though it's brutal and difficult, and the dad, are waking up constantly throughout the night, and they're nurturing, and they're caring, and they're doing these things. And it's not an easy thing, right? But they are willing to do it because they're giving someone, they're denying themselves for someone else. This is what the Trinity did. If you will, the Trinity was the first community, okay? And so it existed in love. But this love was being poured forth. So the only reason for the creation of man is love. That is it, okay? Anything is bonus. Right? There might have been other side effects of the creation, but the, the purpose, the objective, the reason, the meaning was 100% and completely love. Okay? So, God made man. What did he want from man? Perfect. Okay? So God is looking for an arrow going to him. Okay? He's looking for there to be, I don't know if I can write it on this side, a relationship. He said, I'm going to make this thing for you, the earth, 
right? And now that one is a relationship. And he gave man even dominion over the earth, right? When you read the first chapters of Genesis, it says that man was asked to name the animals. Why? The naming is a, is a, is a, is a, a depiction of the authority of humanity over these things, right? When you have your property, you name it. You patent it, right? You get to say, this is called this, because it's yours. And so God really, like Khan said, he, he, he shared his glory. He said, no, this is yours. I made this for you, okay? So the ultimate goal, the end of everything was for man. And he said, you get to name it. You get, it was, before it was a lion, it was just a thing, right? Man called it lion. Man called it whatever it is. And that was a sign of his sharing with us, but what he wanted back from us was a relationship, okay? I'm going to come back to this in a second, this whole relationship aspect, okay? What is man? What makes a man man? What makes a human a human? So I hear spirit being said by many people. What else? Mind and body. Mind and body, okay. Some people associate mind with body, some people associate mind with spirit. So I'll go with body so far as spirit and what else? So, okay, good. Alright, so man is body, soul, and spirit. You're saying spirit and mind are some people associate mind with body, and some people with spirit, but we'll, we're going to come back to that in a second. Body, I don't need to ask you what a body is. Let's say it with an accent like Dick and Andrew. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know what a body is. What is the soul? Okay, this is often, uh, there's often a mix-up between soul and spirit. The mind and emotion. Sorry? So is the mind and the will and the emotion. Any other opinions? That's actually more of the spirit. So soul and spirit by the fathers often used, got used interchangeably. So I'm not surprised at all. Most people will say that right away. Okay, but the soul is actually just the life of a thing. Okay, because a body is simply made out of material, right? It's made out of the elements of the earth. But I could take the same elements that make a human human or an animal an animal and shove it on the table is it alive? No. So the soul is the physical life of a thing, okay? That whatever it is that's making it alive. We share this with animals, right? Animals are also made up of elements, and they're alive. So in the Old Testament and in the early church, we often associated the soul with the circulatory system, not to get all technical, but simply because in the Old Testament, God would say, do not eat it with the blood, because that is the life of it, right? As a symbolic thing. And that's why they associated it with the blood. When really what we're just trying to say is, it's whatever that makes a physical thing alive. Okay, so that's the soul. What then is the spirit? The Holy Spirit? What else? Conscience? Sorry? The news? The news is the, the, the spiritual intellect. Okay, the thing that thinks that, that where our spiritual seed is or consciousness is. Look, I gave it like a breath. 
You're right, he gave it to us, and you're right, it differentiates us from animals. But what is it? No. It is. Okay. So, the spirit we're going to come to in a second is the image and likeness. So, God did initially give us the Holy Spirit. That's something that a lot of us don't realize. We were given the Holy Spirit in the Garden of Eden, something I didn't even come across my mind until actually a couple of, of years ago. Because in, later on, I think in either Genesis 4 or Genesis 9, God says, my spirit will no longer dwell in man. He was taking him away, the Holy Spirit. Right? And that's why there's a, this is a big deal in the church, why Theophany is one of the biggest feasts of the church, even more important than Christmas, actually, um, in our tradition. But, so we did receive the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit here is something different. It was the, the gift that God gave us. It was something very different from the animals. Um, and that's very, very important. And what it is, is, is what Mary said, it is the image and likeness. And this is a really, really, really big deal. Okay? Because when a parent has a kid, what do they share with their kid? Their DNA. Right? The kid has become literally an offspring of the parent with their own like fingerprints all over him, right? Like there's this genetic imprint of saying, I know that this child belongs to this person. The image and likeness, what is it? Is it physical? No. So then what is it? And we know it's not physical because God is a spirit, right? So it can't be physical. So then what is the image and likeness of God? Maybe. Okay? Um, to be holy, okay? is to be exactly like God. It's holiness and it's perfection. Okay? So, He wanted us to be exactly like Him, which is holy and perfect. There's a design. Okay? This is very important. Because He didn't make us arbitrarily. Right? When somebody makes a device, there's a design. Right? We're going to use a few analogies because we're going to need this for when we get into other important things. So I'm going to come back to this. He wanted us to be exactly like him. That is actually how he designed us. Right? So this thing that he made called, called man or humans, okay, was designed to look in a certain way. It was designed to run a certain way. It was designed to be something. And it's a real thing, okay? This, the spirit isn't this random, arbitrary object that we talk about as though it's just a concept. It's a real thing that is inside of us, right? So if God has an attribute, okay, it is perfect because that's who he is, right? By nature. That is who God is by nature. So if God has an attribute, I have it because I was made in his image and likeness. So because God is love, I'm able to love. Because God is just, I have a concept of justice. Because God is merciful, I have a concept of mercy. That is the only reason why we have these concepts. Without there being this image and likeness, those concepts become arbitrary. They become random. Because they don't have to be that way. They're simply whatever people voted on. They're only right, they're only true, because it is in His image and likeness. This is a very important concept. Right? Because outside of the existence of this part here, everything becomes random. Right? No matter what way that you look at it, it's become random. It becomes on whatever we vote on as a society. Right? When, when, a, when an atheist says to me, I'm going to just be a good person, I ask them, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good person? 
that's completely random. What makes a good thing good? That you voted on it? That your friend voted on it? That it works for society right now? That doesn't mean it is good, it just means you think it is. Right? This is the difference. There's not, there's not an objective true or false in the absence of a God. And so we need to come back to those objective true or false because our spiritual struggle most of the time is not identifying that there's an objective right or wrong. Everything is going to come back to that. So there's a design. I was meant to look like him because that's who he is. And so everything about God is good. Why? Because that's what he is. Right? It's not something that we voted on. We didn't say we decided God is really good um, and that's why we're doing these things. So light and dark are things by nature, right? Or dark is really an absence of light. Light is light by nature. You can't say, why is light luminescent? That is what light is. You can't have a debate about it. You can deal with how to use that light, but that's what it is, right? So light by nature is light. Can you mix light and dark? You can't, right? Is it because light is an arrogant, like, egotistical thing that hates and discriminates and racially divides darkness from itself? No. It's simply light, right? That is what holiness is. It is what it is. That's who God is, okay? And that's how he designed us. That's how we are supposed to be. So why does this matter? Because this was the intent, okay? The intent was for us to be in his image and likeness. And I'm going to put underneath here image and likeness. Did he force us to remain in his image and likeness? So what did he give us? Free will. Okay. So, coming out of love, I'm going to write free will. Why does free will matter? It is not love if it is forced. This is how much our God actually loves. He loves to the point where he says, you are allowed to reject me completely, even though I made you. And even though I gave you my whole identity and I didn't need to, I didn't give it to the angels, right? I didn't give it to the beasts. I didn't give it to anybody else. I gave it to you. But I permit you to say no. I permit you to tell me you don't love me back. Because what is free will showing? How is love an expression of free will? Why is that, why is that how I express love? It's a choice. Right? And why does that show my love? Unconditioned love. I'll give you an easy analogy. If some wonderful husband says to his wife in the anniversaries on Super Bowl Sunday, I love you, sweetheart, but unfortunately I'm going to be going out to the game with my friends, how is she going to perceive this? Unloving. Why? Because when he had the choice to show what he valued, he didn't choose her. Love as a choice, like you said, okay, shows what I value. Because if I value something, I'm going to choose it. If I don't choose it, it means I don't value it. 
it means I don't believe it. I can tell you till I go blue that I love you, but if I constantly choose something against you, I don't love you. That's just a word, right? Love is self-denial. It's saying, I could gratify myself and make myself comfortable and make myself pleased in whatever way it is. Whatever passion or vice or lust it is that I have, to satisfy it is to say, I put me first. To say that even though I can do that and I have the ability to do that, I'm choosing not to do that. Whatever I chose not to do it for is the thing that I love. Right? Look at what, like, what is marriage. Someone says to another person, I choose you. In saying I choose you, okay, that's not what marriage is, but it was in a secular sense, right? In saying I choose you, I have also said no to every other woman in existence. Right? I've said no to every other man in existence. I limited myself. I said that even though I can do whatever I want, I have chosen to only limit myself to you. This is what makes it an actual sacrifice, right? And then even when I get married, I could physically do something else, but I've decided that I value you and I'm gonna fight for it, right? This is how we express love. So this free will part is absolutely essential. It's what for some reason everyone hates God for. Like everyone's saying, oh, I don't want to have that ability. Just let me be whatever and I just do the right thing by program. But then you're asking to be a robot. And then yet everyone in society says, oh, religion is overly controlling. And then on the other side, they're saying, I don't want free will. My free will ruins me. What do you want? Right? Like we have to figure out like, what is it exactly that we're trying to say. If I want to love, I have to be able to choose. I can't. If, if my if my family or whoever it is that I care about is constantly ordering me to do something, is different from, if my mom says, this is your list of chores, is different from when I say, mom, I see that you're tired and I decided I want to clean the house for you. Two completely different things. One is a duty, one is a relationship. And what God wanted from us was relationship. God wanted us to have this arrow going back towards Him. And the only way that we could point the arrow back at Him was to be given free will. Kapish? Okay. Very important points. So that's the free will. Now God made this design. Okay? And he said, I want to be like me. And I want to use an, a, a few analogies like so that everyone of different styles can, can kind of have one going for them in their head. Okay? We have a concept of health. Right? If I have a concept of what proper health is, okay, then I can use that objective measure of health, if it exists, to determine what is unhealthy, right? So if I know that, you know, there's a certain amount of carbs and fats and specific kinds of fats, right, and, and proteins that I'm supposed to have, then I can find out what I'm doing that is wrong when I eat based on that objective, right? Okay, so if I decide that I'm going to eat Carl's Jr. for all of my meals five or six times a day, right, I am making a choice that is unhealthy, that is going to have consequences, okay? Because the body is designed to run in a certain way. So if I clog it with certain things, it may or may not work, right? There's a design. And this is how this organ works, this is how this organ works, and this is how they work together. And, and, and in healthcare, we try and figure out how do they work and how they interact. That's one way of looking at it, okay? Another analogy, trademarked by me, the microphone, okay? What is this microphone designed for? Magnifying sounds, right? I'm amplifying sounds. Could I not choose to take gum out of my mouth and put it on my microphone and say, aha, a gum holder? I could, right? I physically could do that. 
And I could popularize it, and I could tell people, behold my gum holder, it is amazing, and you should all have a gum holder, right? And it could catch up on, and everybody could start using my new gum holder, okay? But by nature, underneath all the gum, is it a gum holder? It is not, okay? An automobile, it's made of a specific material, okay? And it's made to transport things and persons, okay? That's what it does. That's how it's designed. Could I take a pen and shove it in the auxiliary cable? I can, right? I might damage the pen. I might damage the auxiliary. I might not be able to hear properly. I might hear static in the background when I'm doing it that irritates me. If I have a premium car, can I put cheap gas in my premium car? I can, right? Is it good for the car? No. Will it run? Yes. If I put water in my car instead of gas, what will happen? Probably explode. I don't know enough about cars, but I'm guessing it's going to explode. Okay? But something bad is, is, is going to happen. Okay? And I'm using these three to first say there's a design. The only way to know how to use the device is to know what is the design. What was it made for? If I don't know those things, then everything I do is random. I might accidentally use it properly, but I could also accidentally use it very wrongly, and I could do some serious damage, okay? So if I have free will, why did God give us a law? To understand the design? Good answer, I want more, that's very good. Why is there a law? If I'm supposed to be free, The law is freedom, I, I agree. Many people disagree. If I don't have a ruler in existence, can I know what a straight line is? If I don't have an objective standard straight measure that exists, can I find out whether something is straight or not? That is what it is, is that God is saying I didn't make you relativistic. The greatest heresy of our modern day is relativism, okay? Is that there's no such thing as a straight line. That's what's being sold to us. There's no such thing. It might be straight in your opinion. In my view, this is straight. In my view, this is less curved, right? But this is all completely random. The law is a ruler, okay? It's saying, this was the design. So that when you're here, 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 you know. If this doesn't exist, you never know that you're doing all of this stuff. And so the law wasn't arbitrary. The law was a reflection of God himself because we are created in his image and likeness. So when he says don't steal, he's saying it for a reason. When he's saying don't take stuff from other people, he's saying it for a reason. He says don't be jealous of people, he's saying that for a reason. When he says don't think of yourself as an owner, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, that everything belongs to everybody, he's saying it for a reason. He's saying that because that's who he is by nature. And so that is, our, that is our objective standard measure for who we're supposed to be. So we don't have this random, oh, but this was written 2,000 years ago. Well, God didn't change over 2,000 years. That is who he is. And he designed it. When you get the car, you get a manual in the glove compartment that we all ignore until we have a problem. Right? That is what the law is. It's that manual in the car. So then... What then, and keep in mind that all of this, we're talking about what? The spirit, okay? Just so that in all of this, like, circling, you realize that we're talking about something. 
because this image and likeness is right here. So what is spiritual life based on all that we just said? Relationship with God? Okay. Is it a random thing? What is it? Spiritual life is maintaining the function of this real thing that you have. Okay? This thing right here is the part of you that communicates with God. So yes, it is about our relationship with God. But even more than that, it's not a random thing. It has health. There's something real about it. Right? We do actually need to do stuff to it for it to be healthy. In the same way that I can understand with my body that if I don't eat properly, if I don't exercise properly, if I don't physically take care of myself properly, I am harmed, I am injured, right? I won't function properly. The same is true of my spirit. That there is an objective measure of health that I need to acquire and that when it is healthy, I am actually happy and joyous and running properly. The car will run properly when the gas is there. The microphone will run properly when the gum's not on it. If I have it functioning properly, it does what it is supposed to do. 98% of the complaints in confession, I just don't feel it. I just don't have any results. I did this and this and this and this. Is your spirit healthy? That's the question. If you have gum all over your microphone, it's not going to work. It's not going to amplify sound. So you standing there saying, I kept talking into it and it didn't work, and you're exasperated or angry, of course it didn't work. If you're throwing water in your car and it blew up, don't be angry that it blew up. You're putting water in it, right? You didn't use the device the way it was designed to work. And that's why your spiritual life isn't going somewhere. So there's one more important concept that we'll talk about today, which is, I don't talk much about sin. I don't like there to be sermons about sin. I like to talk about proper health. But to talk about proper health, we need to understand what improper health is. What is sin? Missing the mark, okay? What is sin not? Because we talk about sin in a very angry way in the church that's always miserable, okay? We followed a very monastic root when we talk about sin. We talk about sin, and we get all worked up, right? I need to rent my clothes in two, and I'm so evil, I'm disgusting, and I'm filthy, and all these things. There might be a right way of expressing those things, okay? There might be, and we're going to get to that in a second. But what is sin? It is not breaking this physical law, okay? Sin isn't this physical thing, that we talk about, right? We have a Western concept, that's what it is. The Western concept of sin is a very legalistic way, and it's entered, unfortunately, sometimes into our own churches. We talk about sin as though there's this, this, these rule books, right? You did this, ah, this cost five points. You owe God five, okay? You did this one, good for you, you got ten bonus, right? You're in a surplus, God, good for you, can still go to heaven. Ah, but you did this sin, oh, that's a big one, right? And now this one you need to pay for by doing blah, blah, blah. That is not what sin is, okay? Sin is, is, is missing the mark. That's what the Greek word for it means. In Greek, it's called amarteia, right? It means markless. A negates the, the markteia, right? It means I didn't go for... It means I fell short of perfection. What is perfection? God. 
What was I created to be? Exactly like God. Okay? That's why God said in the Psalms, I have said you are gods. Why? He didn't say, oh, suddenly I've turned you into these gods. He gave us, by grace, his own characteristics. And so sin is falling short of that. Sin is shoving the pen into the auxiliary cable. Sin is putting cheap gas in a premium car. Sin is putting gum on your microphone. Sin is doing anything that opposes the proper functioning of your body for proper health. That's what sin is. That's why what repentance is, is simply a change of heart. That's all it is. Repentance is saying, I'm making a mistake, I need to fix it. Okay, I'm, I shouldn't put gum on the microphone. I will stop. Right? That's what repentance is. That's all it is. Okay? It's to say, I'm doing something wrong. It doesn't work like this. I'm going to start taking off the gum. When I start taking off the gum, what happens? Aha, the mic works. Right? I hear the noise again. And that noise is God because I am projecting His voice. Right? That's what I am. Think, if you will, okay, so you can understand how deep is the love of God. Think as humans, imagine if, if we as humans looked at the ants, these tiny little creatures, okay, and we said, I'm going to give those ants the ability to be me. They're not be me by nature, right? By nature, what are they? They're ants, right? But I'm going to give it my intellect. I'm going to give it my thought process. I'm going to give it the ability to do everything that I can do as a gift. They're limited only by what? Their human existence, right? Or their amply existence, okay? Whereas by spirit, actually, he gave us even more than our bodily existence. He gave us things that were not ours, right? They're not ours by nature. This is why in Tazbaha, what do we pray? We say, he took what is ours and gave us what is his. They're not ours. I am not by nature anything that is godly. I am only by grace what God has given to me. So if I give this thing to the ant, suddenly the ant can build and construct and can think and can talk and can communicate and can laugh and can cry and can do all these things that we didn't need to give it. And it says, why did you do this to me? I just like you. Right? I, that's all there is to it. I wasn't trying to get you to finish a project for me. Right? Like it wasn't that I was trying to construct, I didn't have enough manpower and I said, hey, you can take care of this. 100% fully and completely out of love. And so, what does he want as our response of love? Not to sin. Because sin goes against what? My image and likeness, my identity, my purpose. Right? He didn't make me randomly. He made me to be in relationship, and he made me with a design. The design is his own image and likeness. So sin destroys that. Sin takes away from being godlike and makes me what instead? Animal-like. Because this is the only thing that makes me different from an animal. Which is why the more we sin, the more I only resemble an animal. I only become aware of my passions. I want sex. I want food. I want violence. That is how animals work. It's all instinctual and it's all immediate gratification of those things. So the more and more I use my free will against my spirit, the more and more like an animal I become. The more and more I employ my free will to be conformed to the image and likeness of God, the more and more I participate in being God. 
which is why all those stories that you've heard about, the sawah, those monks that knew people's minds before they were there, the monks and the nuns, and even lay people. I've met lay people who have the gift of knowing somebody's thoughts. Why? Their spirit is healthy. They are using their free will to be healthy. They are not using their free will to other things. Why do you think that certain Buddhists and certain other people who are spiritual have some benefits? Because they are doing something that resembles the image and likeness of God. They are. They're not doing it perfectly. They're not doing it and arriving at the right goal because they're not imitating this person, right? But peace, silence, love, generosity, charity, these are all things that our God is. So just like somebody could eat healthy by accident, they're going to still benefit that they ate healthy. Just because they did it by accident doesn't mean that they're not going to get the benefits of those things. But if they actually discover what good health is, they can go really, really far. Right? They're not going to have a plateau because they can now become more and more like God. So those are the concepts that I wanted us to go to understand. You are not made arbitrarily. You are not an animal. You are a human. And to be a human means to have a body. Okay, It means to have a soul, but it means to have a spirit. This spirit is the image and likeness of God. This is who you are supposed to be. Not who it would be a good idea to be. It's who you are supposed to be. That is why you are made. Your purpose in life is to live in relationship with Him. That's why He made you. Which means that all of your decisions should be based on that. Because that's why you exist. That's what the microphone is for. So, spiritual life isn't a component of my life. Right? It isn't, oh, I have my work, I have my family, I have my job, I have my school, and I have my spiritual life. No. You have a spiritual life, and from your spiritual life, you determine what will be your work and who will be your spouse and how you'll deal with your family. It isn't a component. It is the whole thing. Because it's what makes you a human being. If you don't do this, your decisions, the way you use your free will, will take you away from that. Okay? So proper health is the image and likeness. Spiritual life is to maintain the health of my spirit, to do the things that bring it back into conformity with my image and likeness, and to avoid the things that destroy the image and likeness that make it not work. Because this is how I will not be able to experience the relationship with God. I won't feel it. I won't have anything. Somebody's in a coma. They have no sensation of anything. If somebody is coming out of a famine, okay, and they haven't ate properly for years, try and tell that person on the, on the stretcher, hey, let's go to the gym. They will hate your guts. Right? They have no desire to go to the gym. They will be excited if they can sit up in a week because they have no ability. They're that sick. That is the state of many of us in the church. We are so spiritually sick, we are in a bed. And we don't believe there's such thing as good health because all we know is the misery that we're in. But if we start slowly giving it nourishment, right? It starts to recover some health. Within a week, suddenly they're like, oh, I can, I can drink now. I don't have an IV. Within a little bit more, it's like I'm having solids, and they're excited about having solids. Within no time, they're walking. Maybe within a year or two, they can go to the gym. Some of us want to go from the stretcher to the gym in one day. You can't do that, okay? That's not how spiritual life works. So this is the context from which we're working, okay? And we're going to talk about, God willing, in the, in the upcoming weeks, what are these components? What are these things that I do in order to acquire health? What are the ways that my spirit can regain what it's supposed to be, so that when I work on spiritual life, I recognize I'm working towards something real. I'm not working towards something random.
Um, any questions, comments, concerns? Every human being in existence has a spirit. Not everyone has the Holy Spirit. So this is my human spirit. So I receive the Holy Spirit through chrismation, but the human spirit, this whole time what we've been talking about is the human spirit. Every human in existence has a spirit. Some of their spirits might be almost dead, but everyone has one. How does it, sometimes people are, at least growing up, and they say, you know, there are certain things that you can do that are not edif that are not edifying, but they're not sin. So then, how does that play in, like, the microphone example, or is that just something that people say? So everything that I choose or not choose to do, Saint Paul summarized it in one sentence. We use this verse all the time, but now hopefully you can appreciate it more. St. Paul says, I can, all things are lawful, not all things are expedient. In modern English, I can do whatever I want, but not everything is good for me. And so that should be the question that I ask at the beginning of everything that I do. And so obviously the question is, well then what is good for me? Image and likeness. If it is not in conformity with the image and likeness of God, if it is not good for my spirit, then I ought not to do it. Okay, and these are where we need to be, and this will be in one of the lectures, right, hopefully, because I think some chapters aren't in the book that I, I still want us to cover. But then there are certain things, even as a spiritual father, that I might say yes to somebody too, and no to someone else. Okay, because a true spiritual person is humble, because God is humble, right? He's made even though he didn't mean to. So a true spiritual person knows his or her imperfections. Right? He doesn't try, or she doesn't try, to hide that they have weaknesses. So, for example, I might have one youth who says, I want to go to a party. And so there's a youth who really, genuinely, sincerely, has zero issue with going. Like, they, they, they have no desire to do drugs, they have no desire to blah, blah, blah. And let's pretend that's real. Okay? I might know this person well enough to know that that person is going to go, see it, hate it because they really do care about their spiritual life and say, I am not going to do that anymore. I don't want to. And I, and I have a youth where that did happen, where he came back and said, no, like absolutely not. But there's another person, okay, but that person has weaknesses. It's just not those ones right now. He could eventually, right? But right now he doesn't. Another youth, all he wants to do is hook up, okay, and get wasted and high as a kite. So if he goes there and that's his weakness, of course it's a sin for him. Right? Is physically going from his house to this house where there happens to be occurring such activities a sin? No, he just drove. That's not a sin. He entered a building. That's not a sin. Right? But the decision to make it should be, is my doing this proper in my spiritual life? Is this in line with the image and likeness? Yes or no? So that's how we decide. Okay? So for things that are neutral, this is where you definitely need a spiritual guide. And I'll use an example from my own life. I love music. Okay, I've always loved music. I always listen to the radio. I went to music school. I pick up songs easily. I love songs. So I always pick up on songs easily. I went to some sermon in Edminia in Egypt one time, and a servant came in and said, all songs are from the devil. No more music. So I was like, okay. 
So I cut out songs because I wanted to be holy. Okay, I cut them out completely, and I only listened to Alhan, which I didn't like very much. Um, I like some of it. I listened to like spiritual songs and Taranim and all sorts of stuff, right? But because I love music, it was driving me crazy. And then when I I'd be happy to go to a store just to hear like the music that was going on, right? Until my spiritual father said, Habibi, what's your problem? Okay, if the songs are not bad, then it is okay. If we're not singing about things that are going to enter that are wrong, then it's okay. So I was extremely happy. So what I do, I always listen to music. What did I find? This new extreme caused me problems. Because during that period where I wasn't listening to music and where I was only listening to beneficial things, my mind was filled with beneficial things. So my first instinct when somebody would say something was a psalm, right? It wasn't One Republic, okay? It was a psalm. When I started only listening to music, what was the first thing off my lips? Songs, right? That's the natural thing that came out because that's what I'm listening to. So I had to learn with some guidance, what is my balance? So that I don't become completely secularized because if all I put is in secular, I'm not gonna grow, right? Like I'm not gonna get healthier. If somebody says, I'm gonna just do cardio at the gym every day, they might not get obese, right? So they were able to avoid becoming obese. But were they becoming stronger? No. Were they becoming healthier? Not really. They were simply maintaining health, right? And so my objective should be, I want to get healthier. So something that is neutral needs to be judged in its proper place. Of, is it going to make me stagnant? Is it going to prohibit growth in some way? Because if so, then probably best to be avoided. If it can be worked in, in a positive way, where I continue to grow, no objections, like no problem. But that's why you need a third party because we're going to tend to have a bias, usually, towards ourselves, right? There's a small minority that hate themselves and have the opposite extreme, okay? But most of us are going to bias towards satisfying ourselves. Maybe we'll talk about, before the book, some other things that matter, but we can come back to it. Maybe what we'll do is talk about what went wrong in the history of man to understand the state of our spirituality, Okay, so that we can then understand how to fix it. I'll see if there's enough content there to make a talk. If not, we'll go right into the book. But I need to remember to send the link out to the book in my memory is horrible. So go to the link. I will do so. Mm -hmm. Any other questions or comments? Okay. And glory be to God forever.